It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. Ah, made it to a Thursday. Welcome in Spears on Sports, presented by M&M Carnage. John Spears in studio. Scooter Dingus on the other side of the glass. Time for uh, 58 minutes of fun. Thursday, December 1st. Welcome to Christmas season. 24 days until Santa Claus comes down the chimney. I guess 23 days. It comes Christmas Eve, right? I'm Mm. excited. Once again, it's December 1st. I haven't bought one gift. But you know what? I only have to buy one for my wife. She buys everything else for everybody else. God love her. (laughs) She's the greatest. Eminem Cartage Hotline is open, 502-384-1450. 384-1450 if you'd like to join in on the conversation today. Thornton's text line is open as well, 502-414-1450. Get your text into the show at that number. And don't forget to become a Refreshing Rewards member now. It earns you a free breakfast at Thornton's. You can get a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit or a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant or a steak and egg burrito along with any fountain drink, tea, fizz freeze, or 20-ounce bottled soda. Download the app, register for Refreshing Rewards, and earn your free breakfast on Thornton's. Hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. One of those those steak and egg burritos sounds good right now, Scooter. I'm hungry, man. Yeah, they're awesome. I brought a water today. I don't do that very often, but I've I've had the coughs here lately, right? You have. I've had to uh, hit the cough button a number of times. So I got the water. I'm ready to go. Did you bring some halls? No, no halls. I love halls. Do you? I, I was, there was a time in my life I was hooked on halls cough drops. <laughs> I would sit at my, at my workstation and have a bag of them and just keep throwing them in. The lemon ones. Cherry ones are good, but the lemon ones was like candy. Didn't have to have a sore throat. Didn't have to have a cough. Just firing them down like, uh, you know, like some people chain smoke. I was chain lozenging. Mo- most guys your age go with Werther's. You went with Hall's. Interesting. <laughs> most guys my age. Now, that's much better <laughs> than your Alice Lloyd joke from yesterday. So I'm going to give you props on that. I got to go back to my roots. I'm also going to give you props. Indiana. Man. Now, look, I've said it all year. I like this roster. I think this team is very capable. They're ranked 10th in the country. They're undefeated. Uh, They seem to have a lot of fun playing together. Mike Woodson, who was not exactly welcome to town with huge open arms when he was announced as the head coach, is proving that this dude can flat-out coach. And they were really good last night. I thought Carolina would put up a better fight Indiana bullied Carolina last night. Mm-hmm. They bullied them in the paint. North Carolina got nothing in the paint. They couldn't shoot the ball, and uh, they lost their third straight. Hubert Davis's team, I thought was going to come out with a lot of fire. I did not see it last night. The team that had fire was wearing the white uniforms last night, and uh, impressive performance. Agree? Oh yeah, very impressive. Yeah, not not. See, I've always been impressed by this team offensively for the last for the time the Woodson's been here, really. But the defensive turnaround for this year, oof. I mean, they didn't. They there was nothing easy for Carolina no. last night. Even when Carolina would get a turnover and it looked like they had a fast break, 
they were challenged at the rim. Mm-hmm. There was nothing. You're going to earn it. And uh, I, look, Carolina was number one in the country in the preseason. Four of the five starters back. They brought in Pete uh, Nance. Nance from Northwestern. Shooter, tall kid, can get some rebounds. I liked what he did last night, actually. But they brought him in to be the new Brady Manic, who they lost after last season. And there's something missing there. I don't know if it's drive, desire. Um, I don't want to say it's – the shooting has gotten atrocious in the last three games for North Carolina. Uh, but t- this game was more about where's Indiana than where's North Carolina because Indiana hadn't played a top 25 opponent. Xavier was their uh, only test. It was a road test. They won it by two. Uh, this this was passing a test with flying cover. This was acing the midterm. That's, that's what this was, acing the midterm. And you've got some big games in December coming up as well. Mixed in with the, those early Big Ten games in December, which I love. I love. There's, there's. I think the Pac-12 tonight has a full slate of conference games. Really? Yeah, and I love that in December because usually it's you know you're playing sisters, little sisters of the poor, uh, but it's it's a different era now. You've got early conference games. It's a tough December schedule, believe it or not, for the Indiana Hoosiers. And man, step one, very impressive. Trace Jackson Davis, 21 points, 10 rebounds last night. Uh, he outplayed Armando Baycott. No two ways about it. Now, Baycott banged up the shoulder. I don't know how much of that was um, theater after a certain point in the game. I mean, I think on the play that Race Thompson hit him, he it hurt his shoulder. I do. And he went down under the tunnel. You know, they they I, I think they showed it. He didn't know it was on TV when they showed him in the tunnel uh, practicing his uh, shot without a basketball. I think he was okay, but the more and more that game went on, it was like, oh, yeah, my shoulder's really bothering me. I'm not sure it was. And you know what was bothering him? Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson and Jordan Geronimo and everybody else that got near him, even Trey Galloway. Last night, I thought was exceptional. Well, Baycott actually got switched on to Race Thompson because yeah. he couldn't guard Trace. Yes, they Baycott, put Nance on Trace. Baycott had twelve and ten. Uh, it was a quiet twelve and ten last night. Xavier Johnson twenty points, eight assists. That's the good Xavier Johnson, and he played defense. The whole team played defense. Here's the thing: when your best player plays defense, everybody else has to too. That's just the way it works. If Oscar Shibway is taking a charge and playing defense, then the rest of those Kentucky Wildcats better play defense. If Trace Jackson Davis is going to block some shots, he swatted a couple at the rim last night and and get down low in a defensive stance, everybody else has to do it too. And Xavier Johnson did it last night. He was terrific on both ends of the floor. Um, you told me about Hood Shafino early. I did. And I, you know, I, I listened to probably 18 to 20% of what you say. Is that too fair? Mu- too much. That's pretty good. Too much. 14 last night. Uh, didn't look like a freshman. He scored what? Didn't he score the first seven of the game? Yes, yeah. first seven. That was awesome. The stage was not too big for, for uh, Jordan, uh, Jalen. Jalen? Jalen, yeah. Jalen Hood Shafino. That shows you how much research I did. Pete Nance, I talked about him. He had 15 11. He was probably the lone bright spot, in my opinion. For Carolina, I don't know what's wrong with Caleb Love. I don't know what's wrong with uh, Davis. 
I mean, these guys shined in the NCAA tournament last year. They were great. They had, if you remember this, they had a double-digit lead on Kansas at halftime of the national championship game. I mean, they should have won that game. They spit the bit in the second half. Maybe this is a carryover from that. But I, I would, I'm going to go out ahead and say this was more IU winning this game than North Carolina losing this game. Because I think Carolina plays well last night. If they shoot it well, they still lose this game. Well, that's the thing. Indiana didn't play their best game. Well, but they the, played good, but they did not play they, their they best game. They played well. They great is not a word I would use, but they played well. And they played well it to me, more importantly, on the defensive end of the floor. Mm-hmm. They just said, Look, you're not getting anything in the paint. It's that simple. We are going to dominate in the paint. And that's exactly what they did. You got Rutgers now. You got to go on the road. This is this is a test of where are you psychologically? Where are you mentally? Are you going to be able to bounce back from a game where it was a whiteout, the place was packed, all the former players were there? Do you know that every NBA team had a scout credentialed for that game last night? Yeah. Oh, well, that's not just for Indiana, though, for North Carolina. I know. I understand that. That's impressive. But that's impressive. I don't care. I was at the Louisville game. You know how many scouts were there the other night? I'm going to guess zero. I was surprised it was five. Really? (laughs) It was five. My buddy Randy Embry, former, uh, played for Adolph Rupp. Uh, He's uh, he's a Pat Riley guy, so he was there for the Miami Heat. And And I said to him, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> he goes, well, there's two teams. I go, oh, you're not scouting anybody from Louisville. He didn't say that. <laughs> he just said, well, there's two teams. Uh, great guy, Randy Embry. Um, anyway, you're going to have to go from that on a Wednesday night, place going nuts. Bob Knight comes to practice the day before. All the uh, – a bunch of the legendary players from the past were there last night. Now you go to Rutgers. And again, Trace Jackson Davis pointed out after the game in the press conference, he said, well, we haven't beaten Rutgers since I've been here. So it's – I like that. That's the star of the team, best player on the team, had a great game, and he's already thinking about Saturday at 4 o'clock, Big Ten Network, on the road in Piscataway, New Jersey. Well, that, the rack. I mean, that starts at the top, though, with Mike Woodson. Their, their video of him walking in the locker room last night, he was like, great win, great job, team. Yeah. Now we got to prepare for, and everybody on the team was like, Rutgers. And he was like, say it again, I can't hear you. And it, Rutgers. But it's easy for the coach. The coach is supposed to say it. Yeah. The coach is, is, is conditioned to say who's next. I don't care who's after who's next. Who do we play next? We're not looking ahead. We're not looking behind. This game is over. Enjoy it tonight. You hear coaches say it all the time. We're going to enjoy this one for 24 hours, and then it's on to Rutgers. When a kid says it, when the leader of the team says it, to me it resonates more. And now, but here's where you got to prove it. Here's where you got to say, if we are a top 10 team in the country, we're going to go and we're going to beat Rutgers. Rutgers, by the way, lost at Miami last night. It was close all the way to the end, 68-61. Uh, Miami won it at the end. But Rutgers is still 5-2. and two. They still got a couple of guys that, uh, that you know that can play, and it's going to be a hostile environment. It's going to be much more hostile than Xavier was. Xavier was 
great crowd, but you know what? There were Indiana fans mixed in in Cincinnati. There aren't going to be any Indiana fans at the rack on Saturday. 4 o'clock Big Ten Network. We'll get you a spread uh, if we can tomorrow. 11 and a half. Or, I, or maybe Scooter will give it to you today. Yeah. Who knows? 11 and a half? Yeah. My first thought is that's high. That's a little high. I mean, we're talking. you're talking about a conference game. You're talking about a team that is familiar with you and you are familiar with them. And I think anytime you're in a conference game on the road, I say this when it's football, but I say it more so when it's college basketball, there are no easy conference road games. Rutgers lost None. their best two players, though. Geo uh, Baker, Ron Harper Jr. Ron Harper gone. Jr. Who's the guard, though? I don't know. Don't uh, care. I'll look it up at the break. <laughs> Because I turned over and watched a little of that game, and that dude, he, he bothers me the way he plays, but he's also really, really good. I'm, I'll, I'll look it up at the break. Uh, so Indiana wins 77-65. Very impressive. The Big Ten ACC Challenge, the final one, goes to the ACC by a score of 8-6. to six. No thanks to Louisville <laughs> and no thanks to North Carolina last night. Duke was better last night than they've been most of the year. They beat Ohio State 81-72. I saw your tweet. Quit fouling Ohio State. Jeez what was that about? I, I didn't see a lot of that game. So the Indiana game just kept getting pushed back uh, and back because <laughs> So this Ohio had nothing State, to do with point spread no, or who you were no. pulling for. This was just, let's get the They IU just game. kept extending the game. I was like, let's get on with it. <laughs> they had no shot. Um, How about Notre Dame? I, well, we talked about it yesterday. I th- that is not an easy place to play. That is not an easy road environment. I don't know. I don't know who's good. I really don't. I have my my thoughts on Indiana and my thoughts on Kentucky. We know Louisville stinks. I have my thoughts on Purdue, who struggled for most of the night last night, but uh, to win against one win Florida State team. I here's here's. A, a theory. These teams have played in Portland over the weekend. They're tired. Mm-hmm. I think Purdue was tired. I think Carolina Carolina looked tired. Now, a lot of that was Indiana, but Carolina looked tired. A lot of these t- teams came back and had games on Tuesday and Wednesday. Michigan State. And and you <laughs> like, what are they playing in wet cement? What are they playing in sand? It, it, it has looked like the Phil Knight Invitational took a lot out of these teams. That was top-notch talent playing three games in four days. Then you leave Portland on Sunday. I mean, Carolina flew directly to Bloomington, I believe, on Monday morning. They didn't go home. Um, so they've been in Bloomington for three days. You got you to get your legs back. And it looked to me like a lot of these teams didn't have their legs back. And Michigan State is one of them. Notre Dame, 70. Michigan State, 52. And dare I say, it wasn't that close. No. It was dominance from the first tip. Uh, McCormick Ryan, is that the name? He mm-hmm. lit it up. He, he hit his first. Now, I turned the game off. I don't think he took another one. But he hit his first six three-pointers last night. I think he finished six for six. Uh, because I doubt they were going to let him take another one. It, it's a Notre Dame record, by the way. Cormac, Cormac Ryan, Cormac, C-O-R-M-A-C, M-A-C, Cormac Ryan. He's a New York kid. 23 points. Oh, no, they let him shoot another one. <laughs> 6'6", 
six out of seven from three, eight of 11 from the field. Uh, at halftime, that game was 42 to 24. Yikes. Yeah, not good. Michigan State's five and three now. They were not in the top 25 to begin the season. They beat Kentucky in the Champions Classic. They won another. Uh, they beat. Uh, was it, uh, they lost to Gonzaga in a tight one on the military ship, on the naval uh, carrier, and five and three now, and probably going to be out of the top twenty-five because if if you saw any of that game, they didn't look like a top twenty-five team. No. But uh, yeah, ACC wins eight to six. Thanks to Duke, Miami over Rutgers, Notre Dame with the win last night. It was 3-3 three and three last night. Uh, Nebraska beat Boston College 88-67. The Huskers are 5-3. and three. Look out for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Quick trivia, John. How many undefeated teams are left? Um, Division one. Yep. I'll, I'll go seven. 16. Oh, wow. That many? Yeah. Still 16. Jeez, because it's it feels like one of those years that you don't see a lot where good teams are playing good teams early. We've had the Phil Knight thing, Champions Classic. You have all the Gonzaga will play anywhere. Gonzaga's playing in uh, uh, South Dakota, Sioux Falls this week. I, I know that sounds crazy. I think it's Friday or Saturday. Friday night, Gonzaga and Baylor are playing in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Hmm. Seems strange. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. A lot to get to. College football playoff will expand to 12 teams sooner than later. This is great news. I'll tell you all about that. NFL Thursday night football tonight, the Bills and the Patriots. Will Levis has put his name in the NFL draft, or he's going to put his name in the NFL draft, so he has done it. Kentucky, will he play in a bowl game? That's the question, and one of the best pitchers of all time, who Scooter never heard of, passes away at the age of 88. We'll talk about all that on the other side, listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big Apple. Welcome back. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in the studio. Scooter on the other side of the glass. Eminem Cartage hotline is open. 384-1450. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, 502-384-1450. Thornton's text line open as well. 502-414-1450. Get your text into the show at that number. 414-1450. 16 undefeated teams. That surprised me. Eight of them are in the top 25. We just went over them during the break. But we understand why now, because you said you thought I was only talking Power 5. Yeah, but that was a lie. <laughs> I made that up. All right, uh, college football playoff announced yesterday. They finally got the Rose Bowl on board. Now, the Rose Bowl was being stubborn because the Rose Bowl said, hey, we want to play on New Year's Day. We want to play at 5 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern time. We have the Rose Parade that morning. We don't want to change anything. We want the Rose Bowl at 5 o'clock Eastern time on New Year's Day. And the college football playoff committee was saying, look, everybody else is on board here. We want to expand to 12 teams. 
Everybody else wants to do it. You're going to be in the rotation here. Just you're going you're leaving literally hundreds of millions and probably billions of dollars on the table if you if we wait. Because they were going to have to wait till 2026. That's the current contract. And the powers that be decided this is silly. It's like having a winning lottery ticket and waiting two years to cash it, right? It's like having the Powerball ticket for $100 million and you go, yeah, you know, I'm going to hold on to this for a couple of years. You know, I want to keep working. I want to keep uh, delivering mail. And then I'll cash it, and uh, hopefully I'll still be alive. No, that's not what you do. When it's there, you, you go get it. And it was there, and the Rose Bowl was saying, "Nope, we don't want we don't want it yet." But I think the pressure got to them. Finally, they were talked into signing off. Twenty twenty four now will be the first twelve team playoff. So we got this year with the four teams. We're going to learn who they are Sunday. We'll know before Sunday, but we'll officially know who they are Sunday. And then next year we'll have the four team playoff again. After that, we're going to twelve. And look, this is 10 years too late. This should have been done back when the BCS had to just pick two teams to play in the national championship game. Remember those years? Oh, we don't want the kids to travel that much. 15 games is too many. Guess what? Division two and Division three have been playing 15 games a year without complaining about travel and missing out on school. They've been doing it for 30 years. So these were all just built-in excuses. These are our excuses we're going to use. Uh, the kids are going to miss too much class time. Okay, we got NIL now. Let's, let's quit fooling ourselves. The travel is just too much, too much travel on these kids. UCLA and USC are moving to the Big Ten. Are they worried about travel? Because guess what? Not only their football and basketball teams are going to have to go to Wisconsin and Penn State and Rutgers, their volleyball teams are going to have to go. Their soccer teams are going to have to go. Their uh, water polo t- Oh, wait a minute. There's no water polo in the Big Ten. Just learning that. Indiana has water polo. Okay, then their water polo team's going to have to go to Bloomington. Had a good friend in college who played water polo. So quit telling me that the travel for Three more games, basically. Some, and in some cases, it's just going to be one more game because teams are going to lose. Quit telling me the travel's a problem. They finally came out and said, yep, yep, we've got enough money on the table now. We're going to go ahead and do it. So the good news is, if you're a college football fan, you get this in two years, not four years from now. And this is glorious, in my opinion, because – First-round games are going to be home games for some teams. They're going to be home games. Let's look at if the college football playoffs were 12 teams this season. First of all, the new rules are the five Power Five conference champions automatic bids and the highest-ranked group of five champion. So, this season, You're going to have Georgia, if they beat LSU, Michigan, if they beat Purdue, USC, if they beat Utah, K-12, 
Can, uh, TCU if they beat Kansas State, and Clemson if they beat North Carolina. They would be automatic plus Tulane if they win their game coming up against Central Florida. Or I guess Central Florida if they win. So those would be your first six. Top four ranked of those six would get a bye. That would be Georgia, it would be TCU, it would be Michigan, and it would be Southern Cal. Those four would get a bye. The other games, if you look at today's college football playoff rankings, and I know they're going to change a little bit on Sunday depending on what happens in these conference title games. Utah would be the 12 seed. They're the 11 in the playoff, but remember, Tulane is behind them and would get an automatic bid. Utah would play at Ohio State. Now, take that back. No, no, I don't take that back. Utah would play at Ohio State, I think. (laughs) Tulane's going to get a bid. Clemson's going to get a bid. They're going to get home games. All right? Keep that in mind. They're going to get home games. So Tulane would not have to, even though they're the 18th ranked team, they wouldn't have to travel to Ohio State. They're going to get a home game. I'm going to guess that was going to be against Utah. I'm not really sure. But Ohio State would be in, Bama would be in, and then Clemson and Tulane would be the other two teams that got home games. All right? Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and Tulane would get home games. Road games would be Tennessee, Penn State, Kansas State, and Utah. Those teams would have road games. And then Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC would be awaiting the winner. Now, here's where it would get tricky. What if LSU beats Georgia? Now, LSU is a conference champion, and therein, that would kick somebody out. Utah. But what if Utah beats USC? Because if LSU beats Georgia, Georgia's still in the top 12. If Purdue beats Michigan, Purdue's in. Michigan's still in. Somebody else is going to get left out. So you're still going to have arguments, all right? There's going to be a crazy year somewhere down the line where an unranked team that gets to the conference title game beats one of the top teams in the country. And it could happen this year, Purdue and Michigan. What are the odds? It could happen. What are the odds that we get 60% of the Power Five get both of their championship teams in? You mean regular season and, and uh, conference? No, like the two teams that meet up in the conference oh. championship, I, they're both going to be in, no? Yes. I mean, like that's, regardless of what happens. Yeah. That's going to happen. Uh, in fact, it's going to happen this year. Maybe TCU, Kansas State both get in if, if, you know, if there was 12 teams. But, yeah, that's going to happen. I mean, Clemson, North Carolina, theoretically, if Carolina wins, Clemson maybe doesn't drop far enough down. But if Purdue wins, Purdue and Michigan would be in. If LSU wins, LSU and Georgia would be in. Kansas State, obviously, if they win, they're going to be in, and TCU's not going to drop out. Southern Cal and Utah, maybe the same thing. So just because you're ranked 11th, like Utah is, or 10th, like Kansas State, what this is going to do is make these – conference championship games mean something more. Because this year, if Purdue beats Michigan, Michigan's still in the in the Final Four. 
If LSU beats Georgia, Georgia's still in the Final Four. doesn't matter. If Kansas State beats TCU, I believe TCU is still in the Final Four. But when there's 12 teams and conference champions get automatic bids, all of a sudden LSU's in, Purdue's in, and and, uh, Utah's in. If they win those games, and North Carolina, let's throw them in as well, and all of a sudden some of these other teams would be left out. Clemson would be kicked to the curb. Penn State, who doesn't have to play a game, but is ranked eighth in the college football playoff rankings. If there were upsets in a 12-team playoff year, Penn State could be left out in the cold. Even though with two losses, they're in my opinion, they're obviously one of the 12 best teams in the country. I mean, they lost to Ohio State and Michigan. They beat everybody else on their schedule. But the conference championship games are going to mean more. The late regular season games, you're going to have a lot more games that mean something. Part of the argument from the committee for years was, well, we want the regular season to mean something. And if we put 12 teams in a playoff, it's going to dilute the regular season. It's not going to mean as much because you're going to be able to lose maybe three games and still get in the playoff. But the fact is, it's going to make these games from last weekend, the games that we watched last weekend, even more important. What if Carolina had beaten NC State last week? That game would have been more important to North Carolina. Clemson, South Carolina, same thing. Would have been much more important to Clemson if this was a 12-team playoff year. I mean, it's important because it's a rivalry game. You want to beat your rival, I get all that. But in the scheme of things, in the grand scheme of things, last week's games would have been basically playoff games for certain teams. If we win, then we're going to get into the playoff. Penn State, for example. Played Michigan State last regular season game. If they were in contention for a 12-team playoff spot, that game means a lot more to Penn State last week. It didn't mean as much. They won, great. Now we wait and see what bowl we go to. We're not in the Big Ten championship game. We're just going to sit around and wait and see which bowl we go to. So that late November weekend, that last weekend in November, last weekend of the regular season, you're going to have Big-time games in those slots next year, or in two years. Because you're going to, you know, basically you'll have 18 teams fighting for 12 spots here. You're not going to have, what do we have right now? We've got two teams fighting for spots, maybe. I think we have one team fighting for a spot. That's Southern Cal. I think TCU's in no matter what. I could be wrong. If they get humbled by Kansas State, maybe maybe Ohio State jumps TCU again, even though they're not playing. Who knows? But in my opinion, there's one game that matters this weekend as far as who gets into the 14 playoff, and that's USC and Utah. If Utah can beat Southern Cal for the second time, then I'm going to guess, because of the rankings that came out Tuesday, that Ohio State is going to sneak back in. And it's going to be uh, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State. How about that 
How about that semifinal? Ohio State, Georgia. I'd take it. Ohio State, by the way, has better odds to win the NCAA championship right now, the college football playoff championship, than TCU or Southern Cal. What's that tell you? That tells me that the that the Vegas odds makers understand that if TCU, which I disagree with this, but they believe if TCU or USC loses, Ohio State's in the playoff. Now, I think if TCU loses and Southern Cal wins, both of those teams, Southern Cal obviously stays in, but TCU, I think, stays in. Vegas, I think, believes if TCU loses, Ohio State's back in. I disagree, but they don't pay me to be an odds maker because I would have TCU to have at least the same odds, if not better odds, than Ohio State right now. Because in my opinion, TCU's already in. Maybe I'm wrong. I remember when TCU got screwed a few years back. They were undefeated and were in the top four. Won their uh, conference championship game. Close game. But one of the teams on the outside looking in dominated in their playoff game, in their uh, tournament game, uh, title game. Snuck ahead of TCU. TCU got hosed. And it looks like Vegas believes that could happen again if TCU loses. I will take a break, come back, one segment to go. NFL football tonight, Bills Patriots. We'll preview that. I'll tell you about the pitcher that uh, Scooter's never heard of. That's just incredible to me. And is Will Levis going to play in a bowl game? Talk about that and more. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Final segment of the day. Eminem Cartage hotline is open. 502-384-1450. Last chance to join in on the conversation. 384-1450. Or you can get your text into the Thornton's text line. 502-414-1450. Baseball Hall of Famer. Two-time Cy Young Award winner. Gaylord Perry, master of the spitball, passed away today, this morning. He was 88, died at his home in Gaffney, South Carolina, of uh, quote-unquote natural causes. Gaylord Perry pitched for eight major league teams from 1962 until 1983. He won a Cy Young with Cleveland in 1972 and with the San Diego Padres in 1978 when he was 40 which is Justin Verlander, won the Cy Young. He's in his 40s, so that happens. Five-time All-Star Hall of Fame selection in 1991. His career record, 314 and 255. 3,554 strikeouts in his career. Um, had a 1974 autobiography entitled Me and the, Me and the Spitter. <laughs> That's a great title. Uh, He doctored baseballs. Or he made the batters think he was doctoring the baseballs. There was some lubricant jelly in the inside of his cap or he'd put it on his hair 
and rub his hair. But I, I would watch Gaylord Perry, and I would remember. And, and look, when he was 40, he looked 65 years old. So it looked like your grandpa was out there pitching in Major League Baseball games. And he would just reach up, and he would just rub his hair, and he did it in front of everybody. And most people thought he doctored the ball, but what he was great at was making the batter believe he was doctoring the ball, whether he was or not. He didn't have an overpowering fastball, had a good curve, had a breaking ball, but the question was, what made that breaking ball break so much? If you saw him pitch today, he would be just like any other pitcher because these pitchers today rely on different tacks as well to make the ball move, whether they're legal or not. And he did it, and he did it before it was popular, before it was a thing where everybody did it. He would throw a ball, and it would move, and the batter would swing and miss. And I remember guys just turn around, look at the umpire like, what was that? Come on. You got to do something about this. And he made a living, a Hall of Fame career out of it. 300 wins, 3,000 strikeouts, that's a Hall of Famer, period. Doesn't matter how you do it. Uh, did he cheat? Sure, he cheated. He didn't take steroids. He didn't need steroids. All he needed was a little KY jelly. A little KY jelly, maybe a little Tabasco sauce. He'd rub Tabasco. Remember the movie Major League mm-hmm. when Eddie, the old old guy pitcher, would rub a little Tabasco sauce in his nose and get his nose running? That's Gaylord Perry. That's exactly who that was based on. I put a little Vaseline behind my ear. <laughs> but uh, he was quite, as, as Phoenix Hill Richard pointed out in the text to the text machine, he was, a, uh, he was a character. He was one of baseball's great characters. And uh, we don't see those guys anymore. Mark Fidrich, just, just characters. Guys, Bill Lee, Bill the Spaceman Lee. We just we don't see enough of those guys anymore. It's it's a shame. It was a different era, but man, Gaylord Perry was fun to watch pitch. Because he was one of those guys. He was like Greg Maddox in the sense that you walked away with an 0 for four or an 0 for three and you thought, How did I not hit that guy? How in the world did that guy get me out four times? Now he did it differently than Greg Maddox did it. But it was the same feeling. That guy throws 88 miles an hour. Not a whole lot of, not 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 any, he can't get a fastball past me. He's throwing nothing but junk. I've stepped up into the box because he's not going to throw a fastball. I still can't hit him. Gaylord Perry passed away at 88. And uh, it's, a, it's a shame that the younger generation, present company included, <laughs> doesn't remember or hasn't seen Gaylord Perry pitch. I, I've definitely heard the name. Well, but now if, you have. I just did three no, minutes on it. prior to this. But if you would have asked me who he was, I would have probably said an actor. <laughs> oh, he was an actor. <laughs> he was good. Was De- right. He was very deceptive. All right, Kentucky football wants to know, is Will Levis going to play in a bowl game? I'm going to go with no here. No shot. I'm going to go with no. He declares for the draft, or at least he says he's going to declare for the draft, which we all knew was coming. Um. I don't know where Kentucky's going to play. I talked to Roush uh, a couple days ago. It looks like either Vegas or uh, or uh, Memphis, Liberty Bowl maybe. 
Um, if I'm Will Levis, I'm not playing. I'm sorry. That's the era we live in. Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette were the first couple guys to say, you know what, I'm going to go start working on my my body and my getting ready for the combine and, and work with my personal trainer and get ready for my professional career. And I think Will Levis, God love him, Godspeed. He's, he's earned it. And uh, he doesn't owe anything to anybody. Fans can go crazy all they want. They can say, oh, you know, you give the guy a scholarship, he should play. He should play. Yeah, okay, maybe he should, but I don't blame these guys. Texter brought up a good point on Kentucky Roll Call earlier this week, John. Don't Doesn't he owe somebody, though, down now in the era of nil? Like, doesn't he owe that to his nil sponsors? That depends. Play? And I heard this argument today. Um, NIL guy, say you're a big booster, you got the money, you're throwing it around. You can put that in your contract. You can put that in the contract. You can say to a guy, hey, we're going to pay you. We're going to pay you, but you're going to play in every game that you are physically able to play in. Or we're not paying you the whole amount. And that can be put in the contract. Now, we're early in this NIL process, so nobody has talked much about that. But I think – Future, down the line here, that's what you're going to see. If you're, you know, people said when this first started, the only guys that are going to get paid are quarterbacks in football. They're the only guys that are going to get paid. These other players, they're still going to be on scholarship, but they're still going to have the same limitations as in they're not going to be able to find a job because nobody's going to pay an offensive lineman. And guess what we've seen? Offensive linemen are getting paid. Defensive linemen are getting paid, and they're getting paid six figures. If you're an Alabama offensive lineman, first of all, if you want to win games, you better have a good O-line. You better have a good D-line because you can have all the quarterbacks and all the receivers you want. If you don't have a good offensive line, it's not going to matter. So offensive linemen are getting paid. The The great teams, you think Georgia's offensive linemen aren't getting paid? They are. They're getting NIL deals. But part of the NIL deal is in the future is going to be, yes, we're going to pay you. You're going to come in. You're a couple of big offensive linemen, and I own – let's pick out a restaurant. What's your favorite wing place, Scooter? Uh, Got to be Rooster. Let's say I own Roosters, yeah. and I'm a booster. I'm going to pay each offensive lineman, I'm going to get each one of you guys hundred grand. but you're going to have to play every game that you're not injured, including a bowl game. And you're going to come in here and you're going to do a couple commercials eating a bunch of wings because you're big old ugly offensive lineman. And we're going to have fun with it. That's going to be in the contract. And when bowl season rolls around and my team is not in the playoff and, you know, Jimbo Johnson says, I don't want to play in the Blue Bonnet Bowl or whatever bowl's left. I know there's no Blue Bonnet Bowl anymore. I don't want to play in the Texas Bowl. You're going to say, well, wait a minute. We got this contract. If you want to collect this money, you are going to play in the Texas Bowl. So that's what it's going to come to, but we're not there yet. And I'm sure Will Levis doesn't have anything sad that says he has to play in the Vegas Bowl or the Liberty Bowl or whatever bowl Kentucky goes to. And I and again, I don't blame these kids. I didn't blame. I, I know people were up in arms when Christian McCaffrey did it, uh, when he was at Stanford, and when Leonard Fournette did it at LSU. I didn't understand why everybody was so upset. First of all, at, the, at that time, those bowl games didn't mean anything. They didn't mean anything. They were bowl games. They are fun. 
The only thing they meant was, who am I betting that night? You know, what's the spread? That's all I cared about. I didn't care if LSU and I don't know who they were playing, Oklahoma State. I didn't care who, who, which players were playing in that game other than what's it going to do to affect the point spread. So NIL is fresh, and the rules are going to change, and, you know, if Congress ever gets involved, maybe they'll put a salary cap on teams. Who knows? But eventually, boosters or, or sponsors, business owners are going to figure out, yeah, I, I got to have this, this dude playing the bowl game too. I'm not paying him all this money, and then he's just going to skip out and not play in the bowl game. All right, NFL tonight, the, the uh, week 13 begins in earnest. Buffalo and New England, a, a divisional game. This is a, if you want to win the division. If you're the Buffalo Bills and you want to win the division, this is a must-win game. It's a must-win scenario for the Bills. They're 8-3, and three, but the Dolphins are uh, really, really good. 8-3. and three. The Jets are 7-4. and four. And New England, by the way, 6-5. and five. Everybody in the division has a winning record. That's rare. Now, the Bills in the division – are 0 and 2. Dolphins 2 and 1, Patriots are 2 and 1. Jets are 2 and 2. So when it comes to tiebreaker, Bills are behind the eight ball here. They're in trouble. They're three and a half point favorites tonight. I do think they take care of business and win tonight. Here's why you watch this game tonight, Scooter. You ready? Right. Patriot throwback uniforms. The New England Patriot white helmet with the center snapping the football, wearing the patriotic gear, the red jerseys, reminder of Steve Grogan in that era. Oh, glorious. I can't wait. Can't wait to see him. I'm going to watch the game, but not don't for, care not for who that wins reason. the game. I don't care. <laughs> I do care because I bet on Buffalo. And that's who I'm giving out today. So that's that's the extent of why I care. But I'm telling you, I'm I'm old school. And any of these teams that wear these throwback uniforms, when when Tampa Bay wears the uh, the orange, I feel like I'm 14 again. It's great. It's great. And uh, Patriots are going to put it on uh, tonight. Look, here's the thing tonight. Josh Allen's got to play better. He leads the league in interceptions. Nobody saw that coming. He's got to play better, especially in the red zone. This is not a normal Thursday night game because both of these teams played on Thanksgiving Day. So it's not a short week. They both had a full week to prepare. Uh, So I expect good football tonight. I expect a low-scoring game. New England doesn't make it easy on you. With their defense, but I think the Bills, they're going to show, hey, we're still a a Super Bowl contender tonight. The only sad thing is they're going to do it against those glorious Patriot uniforms. Ed Peake joins me in studio tomorrow. Thanks, Scooter. See you tomorrow. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X.